Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Trey Scott, joined by college basketball's all-time career assist king, Jerry Meyer. Jerry, today we are about to launch into a ranking or a uh, remembering of, of the best shooting guard prospects you've ever scouted to continue our series of the best Jerry's ever seen. Last week, we knocked out the point guards. Uh, before we get started, though, I'd like to everyone to uh, take a quick second and go ahead and uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, hit your Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. If you're listening to us on the 24-7 Sports Media Embed Player, just click uh, share or subscribe and find the logo of the podcast you want to listen to. Make it happen. So, Jerry, when when you send me this list for, for shooting guards, mm-hmm. kind of the first thing that jumps off the, off the page of me is like, huh, you know, it's not as impressive of a list as the point guards. Why do you think shooting guard is maybe like a the, the lost position in basketball? That's a great question. I've, I've been going down the same line of thought uh, the last 24 hours or so. You know, uh, you know, handling the ball, being the point guard, being the leader, obviously is an elevated position. I think it's the number one position right now. Um, you know, I see it when I scout and I deal with coaches and handlers or mentors of players. You know, they all want to be point guards. You know, like Terrence Clark, the word is he wants to play point guard at Kentucky. And so then when you don't and you're just kind of the shooter, and a little less glorious, you know, like but we, we've had Kobe – uh, Michael Jordan. We've had great ones. And, it seems and like some really good ones on this list, but yeah, it doesn't seem to have the same pop. It seems like it was like the position of yesteryear, maybe like an old school power that, forward. That and, could be very true. Right. Right. Where today, you know, if you're a six four guy, <clears throat> there and you got a lot of talent, they're really pushing you to be a point guard. Maybe is the deal. Yeah. I you know, that that might be a lot of it because it used to be we, we let the little guy be the point guard. Right. I mean, I remember I went to five-star camp as a player, and I was a point guard. What made me good is when I was running the point. You know, maybe I wasn't the quickest and all that, but, you know, I, I ran it. Uh, as my team, point guard. And I got there, and, you know, I was 6'2", six, 6'3", six, so I had to play shooting guard and didn't look near as good. You know, the little guy got to play point guard. That's kind of more like the mindset of what used to be. Where now it's like, oh, I don't care if he's 6'5". Yeah, if he can play more, the better. You know, So I don't know. A lot, of, a lot to think about regarding that question. Well, that leads us into an interesting choice for number one as far as best shooting guards mm-hmm. you've ever scouted, which is uh, post-2004, mm-hmm. I believe. Josh Jackson, who was yeah. the number one player in the 24-7 sports composite in 2016, mm-hmm. Good career at Kansas, top five pick by the Suns, hasn't panned out quite yet. What made Josh Jackson so special, though? Right, and for the disclaimer, it's what I thought at the time I saw right. him. So I'm trying to be really honest. <laughs> and doing this is kind of humbling to me. <laughs> but you know, the, the game ain't over for Josh. I mean, he averaged like, what, 12-something, and you know his numbers are decent. But sure, um, it would, at least for this list's sake, we'd like it if Josh stepped it up a little bit in his production. But he, um, man, he was dominant and had those point guard skills on the AAU level when I was watching him. Um, reminded me of a Kobe Bryant type, type player. Uh, very competitive. He was just really, really good. And I don't know if some of the off the court stuff has derailed him. He's lost his focus. 
whatever. The shooting, his shooting wasn't great at Kansas. I think that can really get in a person's head and kind of hurt their overall game, you know, where Josh was just shooting free and easy in AU ball. You know, the misses didn't matter that much type deal. So you shoot a little better percentage because of that. Your mind's free. You get to Kansas, you're under Bill Self, who don't play. <laughs> and now every time you shoot, it's like, well, you're under a microscope. And I don't think he dealt really well with that and kind of exposed maybe he didn't have the best shot. Um, well, I was going to We will see. We will see. He, he's got a lot of basketball. To know, hopefully he's still ahead of him. But, yeah, at the time, I mean, it's a t- Eric Gordon was very impressive, too. Yeah. And I must say this is, I would call it a loose list. Sure. If I did this list again in another week, it would probably come out differently. Uh, this is very difficult to do. But um, yeah, right Josh now is right up there, man. So, yeah. Yeah, right now you've got Eric Gordon at number two. He mm-hmm. was the number one player in the composite for the class of 2007. He was part of a really fun freshman kind of era of college basketball. Good yeah. player at Indiana. Great player at Indiana. Yeah, he came right. He came in and got it done that first year. What yeah. was he like in high school? Um, at times, otherworldly with his strength and athleticism. I mean, they had that barrel chest, and he was a very determined player, similar mindset as a Josh Jackson. But Eric loved to attack the basket. I mean, ferociously attack the basket. Uh, one play that I'll never forget, I think it was the last year of Sonny Vaccaro's uh, big tournament, that I think it was called the Big Time out in Las Vegas. And there was so much star power in that tournament. And Eric Gordon was playing. And I remember, he never forget, he got the ball. I think he's playing against, he's either playing against Kevin Love and that crew or he was playing against O.J. Mayo and his crew. It was a high-powered game. And he gets the ball at half court, and or a little behind half court, two dribbles, and he is literally goose stepping down the court. I mean, his legs are like straight going up. Like if anyone gets in my way, I'm gonna kick the shit out of you. Uh, and then just rammed a dunk. I mean, it was just like you could just feel the waves of energy sitting there on the sideline. But he could shoot it. He, he was a very well-rounded player. Um, did everything. He knew how to use screens. He played on the team that would set off the ball screens for him. He's a fantastic player. Yeah, he's carved out a nice career in the NBA after kind of having to bounce around a little bit. Yeah, Injuries. Injuries held him back some. And, you know, know, maybe like a Josh Jackson. Not everyone just comes in and kills it right away, you know. And Eric was like that. And now, man, he's a very respected veteran, reliable, you know, very good shooting guard. I'm excited to see what number three on this list, Mm -hmm. Anthony Edwards, does this fall and this winter in Athens, Georgia. Edwards was the number two player in the composite for the class of 2019. Obviously heads to Georgia to play for Tom Tom Crean. Uh, Jerry, for someone who's never watched Anthony Mm -hmm. Edwards, even in college, obviously, what should we be expecting? Um, We're looking at like 6'5 to 6'6, very well-built, strong, uh, physique, long arms, you know, just has all the physical <clears throat> dimensions and then extremely athletic. <clears throat> and wow, I mean, we're coming down to a theme here extremely competitive, aggressive, and he can get hot from three. I think he prefers to attack the basket, but he can shoot it. Uh, he's good in pick and roll situations. I think you'll at Georgia, you will see him with the basketball on the wing, and then they're setting a lot of screens, you know, coming out of the post to set ball screens for him. He does a good job in those situations. And he will play defense and rebound. You know, he, 
he, he competes. If you got a month with him, what would you like to see him work on? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Do you think? Man, probably just catch and shoot. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think a lot of times in basketball, we overthink things. Like all these kids, most of them, you know, they come up, they can dribble, they can drive, they can dunk, they can get it to the basket, they can pass. Just that simple, you know, most want to dribble before they shoot, even on three-pointers. But in the NBA, you know, you got to be able to boom, catch it, get rid of it. That would probably be the thing, you know, and it might be the answer for every one of these guys. Going down the list, DeMar DeRozan, uh, yeah, heads of USC. Yeah, number three player in the composite, uh, or for the class of 2008. Uh, he's on the Spurs now after a long time with the Raptors. Of course, he was a trade chip for Kawhi Leonard. What did you like about DeMar in high school? Uh, he was so unique. I'll never forget when we first watched him. I was with Mark Reeves, who I used to scout with at Rivals.com, and, and I fully trusted Mark, and I would gauge Mark's reactions. <laughs> We're watching this guy play, and I could just, like, Mark's just lighting up, and, you know, I'm seeing it. But I just, good experience. It's fun to have someone to scout with. Uh, but anyway, he, he just, like, it's like he was gliding across the floor. His athleticism was just, kind of otherworldly, <laughs> like I said about Eric, but probably the most otherworldly athleticism I've scouted at this position. It was just so different. His game was so effortless, and his game was so unorthodox. Like, he played like you would think just like a street baller from Compton would play. Like, hadn't really been coached. He just grew up playing with the older guys, you know, on the playground. That's what you saw, like jumping off the wrong foot which now is okay, <laughs> you know, as, as fundamentals evolve. But it was an unorthodox game, and it was just it was kind of beautiful. Not a great three-point shooter then. And, you know, his game still is more mid-range. But especially then, I mean, he didn't really want to shoot it. But, boy, that mid-range game, his body control, because he could attack the basket and be ready to dunk on you ferociously. And then when he got cut off, when he had that body control, pull up, make that little mid-range. As we round out the top five, you've got a, a young kid on here, Jerry. Terrence Clark, a 2021 player, number three in the composite so far. He might reclassify. Mm -hmm. uh, Kentucky's getting a lot of buzz in the crystal right. ball. What has Terrence Clark shown you so far mm -hmm. to prove that he deserves among these elite players? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> you know, it's a big deal to put him up there uh, this high. Uh, when I first saw Terrence, he was a young, you know, it was a year or two ago. I was really impressed with his passing. Just his overall vision and feel for the game. And then he's very athletic. Not, not crazy athletic. The, my biggest concern with him is his body. He's a very slender guy. I think that's been a deal with Josh Jackson, too. I think strength so important in today's modern basketball game. So I am concerned about that a little bit, but he's got length and he can make the three. He can drive it. You know, he's just a very good overall player with a mature mindset. I'm excited to talk about the next guy because he's fresh on our minds. And I think, it, you know, we're beyond the top five. So this list is, you know, we can just riff on it. I, I don't want to riff on the whole I thing. I don't want to hold you to <laughs> hold you to anything too heavy. Yeah. RJ Barrett was mm -hmm. the number one player in the composite, at least. Um, for the class of 2018 mm -hmm. and he had a, 
a really great career at Duke he, er, in one season. He's one of the top scorers in yeah. ACC, ACC single season history. Of course, gets overshadowed by Zion, uh, but he goes to the Knicks. Jerry, outside of whether RJ Barrett lived up to expectations, what made him so special back in high school? Um, number one, great competitor. R- rarely lost. You know, he was on great teams. You know, Montverde and his AU team was very good out of Canada. Uh, so very competitive. Uh, you know, it, it, sometimes you wonder, if, is he really even a shooting guard? Because a lot of it is like he wanted the ball in his hands. It reminded me of Tyreek Evans. And Tyreek Evans maybe should be on this list, but I don't know if he's a point guard. I don't know. It's, you know, in today's game, it's kind of hard to, like, nail him down. But could control a game, that type of deal. I His... As far as comparing R.J. Barrett to, like, DeMar DeRozan, Anthony Edwards, Eric Gordon, I thought his athleticism was lacking. I didn't think it was at that level, and I think that is the case. So I didn't notice that scouting him. And then his shot is not, you know, it's a little erratic. It's got to get better. Um, But you couldn't deny his presence on the court and his overall abilities. But as we saw where he struggled some in summer league, um, he has some aspects of his game he needs to improve. Yeah, I kind of expected his shot to be better at Duke. Uh, Monte Ellis was one of the players in the last yeah. class that was allowed to just jump straight to the NBA. He was the number three player in Rivals for 2005 back mm-hmm. when you were there. Mm-hmm. He had a good career as a baller, kind of, you know, was there before Steph Curry at Golden State. Yeah. He had a good career number-wise and did some good things was, in the NBA. Was, and, was he a volume scorer in high school? Uh, oh, he got his shots up. <laughs> yes, he did. And, you know, that's so long ago. <laughs> I'm getting old, man. And so trying to remember back then, as far as buzz about a player, man, he was right up there because he was kind of an unknown out, out, out of Mississippi. And he hit the national radar, if I'm not mistaken, at the old Kingwood Classic. Uh, in the spring going into it, you know, coming out of his junior year um, before his senior year. And he was in a back gym. He wasn't on a huge AAU team. You know, AAU was different then. They weren't all sponsored and have leagues like they do now. And, uh, man, you talk about a guy that could jump off one foot. And when he ran with the ball, it, it was almost like he was hopping, like he had springs in his feet. Like it was a different type athleticism and um he could play he was he was introverted mm-hmm. you wouldn't call him a leader necessarily you know i think he i don't, don't want to go down no, that rabbit hole of what a leader too. is but he he did kind of play just within him he's a very quiet kid small town you know mississippi country boy yeah. really at least you know so just describing him here yeah but I mean, the talent just exuded off of him, and he was a little different. His athleticism was eye-popping. You got, at number seven, roughly, another kid from the South who jumped straight to the NBA, Lou Williams from Georgia. Yeah, sweet Lou. Number seven back in those old rivals rankings. When you kind of read about him as far as his high school days, you get the sense he was sort of a legend down there. He was a legend. Kind of a national legend, even, but especially down in Georgia. He was like one of the kind of like first sort of superstars, like a national. Why? 
Well, I think as the business started kicking in, like Slam Magazine was promoting him a lot, and he was really good, and he was fun to watch. He would dunk on you. He can, he'd make 28-footers, played fearless, still playing now. <laughs> you know? um, and that's just who they knew. Yeah. You know? Do you kind of do you kind of look back fondly at the days of like a Montellus or a Lou Williams, or you just uh, go to yeah, like a- oh yeah, yeah. There was a certain energy, a certain buzz that's a little different than now. Um, I think a lot of pot, and we've talked about it on the podcast. I think a lot of positive changes have taken place in travel basketball. You know, I think I know the shoe companies are getting maligned and everything for like being involved with cheating and stuff, but that really doesn't pertain to what I'm focused on here that they're organizing it and that's part of their power hole and now they can't cheat. But I think it's good for the kids, um, the structure and the professionalism, but it was kind of fun back then. It was like the wild, wild West and you didn't know what you're going to find. So when I scouted saying the Lou Williams, like we didn't know about Montales. We came to the Kingwood classic. We had no idea. You know, you didn't have, you didn't have the internet infrastructure back then. And so you discovered guys. You saw DeMar DeRozan. You didn't know about him. Um, now I go to a tournament. Everyone's name's already out there. Right. You know, So it was different in that way. So, yeah, there's a fondness to that. We are roughly halfway through the list. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts hello everyone it's michael richards here You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. We are back. Jerry, when you t- when I when I think about you mentioned high school legends, when I think about the legends that I remember hearing about in order, it goes LeBron, Greg Oden, and then next up on your list, OJ Mayo, mm-hmm. who obviously never achieved the NBA or college fame that the entire world was expecting of him. But OJ right. Mayo back in the class of 07 felt like LeBron 2.0. Yeah, he, he was a superstar. No doubt about it. Um, I mean, they talked about him on PTI when he, uh, yeah. I think he got ejected from And the game. irony is, like, you know, I thought Eric Gordon was better than him. Ranked Eric ahead of him. Um, some other player, you know, and I don't think I was the only scout who was, like, trying to see beyond... So you're maybe so you think maybe OJ Mayo gets the hype and we uh, he was a media star and he kind of the the hype gets taken off and I mean obviously yeah you ranked Eric Gordon ahead of him that was in hindsight that's definitely I remember remember dealing with OJ's people (laughs) so (laughs) he was (laughs) I I got confronted so you were kind of I was like he's better (laughs) I don't care if he's on PTI or or that so you're a bit of a skeptic what did you what what did you see I wasn't 
I didn't, I thought Aaron Gordon was better. I mean, Aaron Gordon was more athletic. Look how this plays out. I'm, I'm like learning as we go over this. I need to start looking for that special athleticism because <laughs> that carries on, you know, as far as if we're talking NBA type players. OJ also tried to play point guard like he wanted to be a point guard. They were trying to force him as a point guard. I didn't like that because I didn't think that's what he was, you know, and then got the NBA, he kind of settled in at shooting guard. And he, he had a stretch where he was very good, but sure it didn't pan out like it you know, was expected to. Um, very mature game. With OJ, you also got a sense in high school that what you see now is what you're going to get, and this might be it. Like, I think he was a little older, too, but just his body was matured. You didn't see that upside. Like a DeMar DeRozan, you're like, good God, how good could this guy be? Because he's got such special athleticism, such a unique game, such skills, where OJ, like, was perfect fundamentally. Like, OJ had been trained as a toddler, you know, to be mm-hmm. this type of player, like a Tiger Woods type deal. Probably capped out some. Huh? Maybe he was capped out. Yeah, well, in in a sense, and not that that's bad, you know, get, it just his, his developmental curve was way ahead of everyone else. So you got some guys back here, and he's already been trained, you know, He's got it all down, basically. What else can he do to get better? That that was always a question as well. Next guy on the list, Lance Stevenson, born ready, number yeah. nine player in the composite, <laughs> maybe one of the last sort of New York City black top you know, legends yeah. we've had uh-huh. in the recruiting ranks. A little crazy. A little, yeah. Born Did you ready. sense the craziness? Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Um, yeah, Lance didn't change. He was... He was, you know, I don't know that I ever saw him blowing someone's ear, but he was capable of that for sure. Uh, Lance, just dominant, big, physical, you know, what we see. Lance also probably kind of topped out type guy, um, which, I, which I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It has such a bad connotation. It's kind of a positive thing, like good for this guy. He developed and got his game tight and up there early, but – yeah, so he he was he was dominant, but then again, what you know, he was so physically stronger than everyone else. I'd I'd be interested and to know like what I the book on him was because in the NBA he lands with a really good team. The Pacers were perfectly suited for. Yeah. Did you know defensively he was loved, special? You knew he could be. When he wanted to d up, you saw it back then. I, I think Larry Bird was huge for him because I think Lance had a real feel for star power. And to have a star like Larry Bird kind of take him and believe in him and and say, no, you can play, you're the guy. I I would imagine he regrets leaving the Pacers. He would have to think so, right? And I think he's probably said that, you know, because he was in a good place there. Because, you know, when you got Larry Bird in your corner, that's a good thing. It's interesting (laughs) you mentioned the star power thing because he's never been better than when his biggest foil was the best player in the world, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's why he wasn't. That's why he did the choke thing, and he blew in his ear and all that. That that's Lance. That's greatest strength, greatest weakness type deal. You know, like he, he, he thought he was the best. He thought he was on that level, and you need that. I mean, crazy. a team needs a guy to guard LeBron, <laughs> right? And to have a guy like Lance, who's crazy enough to think he can do it, and physical enough to at least provide some resistance. But yeah, that Lance was always ready to compete. 
And, he was born ready, Jerry. And he, he was born ready to dominate. <laughs> like he, he wanted to annihilate and dominate. He was born ready. Next up, Joshua Christopher, a 2020 uh, class member, number nine in the composite right now. What do you like yeah. about him? Um, well, don't forget Bradley Beal. Oh, I forgot. But, I Thank you. But we can no, do no, jo- no. Let's do Joshua, okay. and then we'll go back to Bradley. Okay. Like we said, loose list right here. Um, I really, really, really like Joshua Christopher. Probably too much, maybe. Because oh. <laughs> I think there's something about him, man. He is physical. Man, he's got a physical build. Um, athletic as can be. This has that body that looks like he could play basketball all day, every day, you know, until he's 40 years old. I like that about him. I think he has a really good head on his shoulders as far as playing the game. Smart player. Has creative ball handling skills. Can score any which way you want it. And can really defend. To me, you know, and some people worry about Christopher on the topped out thing. Yeah. Uh, but I see a different pop to his athleticism. And so I like that weight and that heaviness and that sturdiness. I mean, I think you could throw him out there. I think he could play in an NBA game right now. Like, because he's physically developed. You follow what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and Makes sense. He's athletic enough. Uh, he, he could survive physically out there. He wouldn't just get overwhelmed. By the big bodies. We'll but jump. Yeah, I'm big, yeah. big Christopher fan. We'll jump back to Bradley Beal. Apologies, Bradley, for skipping you. Yeah, he was in the class with Anthony Davis. He was number four in the composite mm-hmm. for 2011. Has been a great NBA player. Yeah, great. Um, so, kind of what I was thinking about with Bradley when I was working on this, putting it together. He he was almost too efficient, too good. It looked too simple. It looked too normal, too basic. And I think me and maybe others kind of missed how good he was. I mean, he was still ranked really high. Excuse me. But um, that that uh, um, that type of game that he had then has really paid off for him yeah. in the future. I mean, he's reliable. He, he's one of those guys who just catch it and shoot it. You know, he was like that. That's too boring. You know, I, I look at Bradley and, and I, I try to learn from, I th- you know, I, I think I undervalued him, you know, at least slightly. He was awesome. Scouting him. He was awesome in the NCAA tournament for Florida. I remember yeah, watching clutch. him. He had, yeah, he was a very clutch player. I remember being like, okay, any other year where Anthony Davis isn't around, like this guy should be the number one pick. He went third to the Wizards. Michael K. Gilchrist went second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry. James Harden been playing a lot of point guard. He was at, at eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Shows you how good a scout I am. Yeah. <laughs> he was. He well. He was eleven on your list. He was eleven in the rivals list in 07. Before the beard, he was at Arizona State. Yeah. Just kind of a. He compared himself coming out of Arizona State to a cross between Paul Pierce and Manny Ginobili, and he certainly had the herky jerkiness to his game, yes. and and the craftiness. I'm assuming he had that in high school too. But I've heard stories that he had such a weight problem, he would just kind of stand in the corner and launch threes. I like what he said of that comparison for him when he came out of Arizona State. Yeah, he, he when he when he first got on the national radar, he, he was a shooter. He, he was launching them from deep, and I mean, no one had a clue he would be this good. His body was not good. Like he is really reshaped and ref- like he's a big dude now. Like I was literally standing by. I sat by him at a game. He has he sponsors an AAU team, 
it's like a year or two ago and man he, you know I took notice of just how big the guy was he wasn't like that in high school you know he had no idea kind of a frumpy body mm-hmm. narrow shoulders he's really you know built himself up he just I don't even know if I'm being honest by putting him at a number 11 <laughs> I was like James Harden's got to be on this list but you just it was very difficult to see at that time um, we're going to go through some quick hitters, like one-sentence guys. Just want to make a quick note. Uh, Clay Thompson was not seen or scouted by Jerry. So yeah, I didn't get to it. see him, unfortunately. He was um, – yeah, I missed him. That would have been interesting. Yeah, uh, he ended up I, – I, when I was doing this um, preparation, saw he was a four-star player, but that wasn't until just the very end. I mean, he was just a guy that didn't hit the national radar until very, very late, and – Obviously, he's taken off. All right, Jerry. Uh, when I say these names, give me like yeah, one one or two sentences. Okay. The first impressions that yeah. from you uh, that you remember. Sindarius Thornwell. Man, I love you know. We saw him do wonders for South Carolina on that um, yeah we four did. run. But okay, yes. For Our Connor producers, there, for Connor, game I forgot. Yes, I forgot. But I thought Sindarius was tremendous, in, but. I saw that like when he was at Oak Hill and in travel team, just what a competitor. He He's the type of dude, I do not want him guarding me. <laughs> he, that, that was my number one impression. He, he just kind of had a specialness to him, like a Patrick Beverly yeah. type specialness. Now we'll see if it pans out for him in the NBA. Um, if not, but, they'll always have that final floor run. Uh, Zach yeah. Levine. Right. Is it Levine or Levine? Because the, the I, Maroon I mean, I, 5 singer. I think it's Levine. <laughs> so this guy is an athletic freak. I mean, he was... He but was he, lo- was, but he, you would have never known, dude. Really? You would have never known. I mean, he he had some athleticism. But that's kind of why I put his name down for us to talk about. Because, you know, it, it, it's a big name. And he's turning into a very good player. But you talk about a body taking off. He's so much bigger, so much more athletic. And, you know, better than he was in high school. Uh, Gary Harris. Solid. Kind of like how I talked about Bradley Beal. Like, you know, wasn't flashy. Just got the job done. Um, Didn't have a really good all-star season. And I think that hurt, like, hurt him with the scouts. But turning out to be a tremendous player. Jamal Murray, I'd put him in this category of type player. Um, well, we're just crushing the Denver Bradley Nuggets. Beal, yeah. You know, Bradley Bealish, these guys, um, solid. Because you you, you've got Will Barton there too. So we Well, got, that we was got, a fun year. Will Barton and Reggie Bullock, that was like a big debate. Will Barton was fun to watch, man. He, he played with pizzazz. So, yeah, kind of a contrast. <laughs> Will Barton was the opposite. He was the skinny guy that didn't have the big sturdy frame and wasn't – just the steady catch and shoot guy. He wasn't. He was a guy that wanted to throw behind the back passes and do stuff like that. But very talented, fun to watch. Reggie Bullock was more that sturdy, shoot it type guy. But that just brought up a fond memory. I, I remember that summer, just all the debate: Will Barton versus Reggie Bullock. All right, Jerry, that'll do it for shooting guards. I'm excited to kind of launch into small forwards next yeah. time we 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 talk. And hey, college basketball season's right upon us, so. Uh, Anthony Edwards going to be fun to see him. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a uh, a five star rating and a good review. Thank you.